0: Case number 23 1025 et al. Proud Group Company LLC, doing business as Brooklyn 181 Hospitality LLC, petitioner versus National Labor Relations Board. Mr. Iron for the petitioner, Mr. Side for the respondent.
1: Good morning. Please, court. I'm Thomas Eron a Bunch and a King on behalf of Brook. We're here asking the court to deny enforcement of an order from the National Labor Relations Board. The case presents two interrelated questions. first is, is there substantial evidence in the record as a whole to support the finding that our hotel insisted indefinitely on the resolution of all non-economic subjects before negotiating economic subjects? in the collective bargaining for a first contract. The second question is, what caused these negotiations for a first contract to break down? As the administrative law judge found, so the record of bargaining here is in writing. Parties were negotiating during COVID. They were all telephonic communications, and there were detailed bargaining notes, as well as multiple emails between the uh, principal negotiators. And this record is focused strictly on the bargaining. There are no allegations of unlawful conduct outside of the bargaining, no claim of unlawful threats or unlawful changes to uh, wages or terms of employment, no discriminatory treatment of union supporters, no other evidence or of animus to the uh, union. And we must recognize that these negotiations occurred in the context of the uh, COVID pandemic in um twenty twenty. And as relevant here, it had a devastating effect both on the hospitality industry in New York City and then on this particular hotel, which is a small independent hotel.
0: Mr Mr. Can I ask you to to focus your your factual arguments um, under the the pretty demanding substantial evidence standard?
1: Certainly, Your Honor. Mm -hmm.
0: So how, how do you how do you how do you overcome that?
1: Um, I think there are uh,
2: two key
1: um, big picture points and then some very specific uh, points. In terms of big picture, we have a decision we have a split decision on the, the the labor board, um, one member dissenting, and um, there is a concern that the board did not fully, the majority did not fully evaluate the totality of the circumstances, in particular, did not appreciate, did not give consideration, appropriate consideration to the interplay in the collective bargaining. The union's position from day one was that it had a master agreement. This document, over 100 pages, covers multiple sub- subjects, and the union insisted that the company provide a complete response. Um, In the ALJ's decision, she was in her recitation of the facts, she recites 18 different times when the union demanded a complete response and the board failed to evaluate and consider appropriately the impact of that approach to bargaining. In any bargaining, there is a trade-off one side to the other and what one side does affects the impact of the other. And the failure here on the board's part was in not considering the union's conduct and the, and the consequences. So, for example, a um, very specific language that the board uses to find a violation is um, that the employer insisted indefinitely on the resolution of all non-economic subjects before negotiating economic subjects. There was no insistence here. The employer initially proposed a ground rule, but modified that to allow simultaneous discussion. It's not even an um, appropriate uh, description of the employer's position say it was non-economics. The employer's proposals included um, a proposal on overtime pay, a proposal on um, work schedule, which are critical to the economics of the business, not simply uh, non-economic subject. Um, It didn't persist indefinitely on this position. This negotiation was just getting started. We're short uh, introductory discussions that were cut short because the union insisted that the employer was obligated
2: to um, provide a complete
1: uh, contract proposal
2: and i think just on so for example given the substantial evidence standard the board did explicitly find that the union did not present the IWA on a as they put it a take or take it or leave it basis and repeatedly emphasized its flexibility with respect to both economics and contract wording. So certainly that was their initial proposal. But there's a lot of evidence in the record about how the union offered to make adjustments and have an MOU that adjusted to Troutbrook's uh, circumstances. So how can we sort of accept your view that the union was uh, doggedly insisting without inflexibility on the the full IWA in light of the board's findings.
1: There's no question that the approach that the company took here was a legitimate approach. In fact, the union's negotiator, Mr. Martin, conceded that he had seen this approach before. He recognized it as a reasonable approach. And the company's goal was to get a simple, clear, clear, contract. The union's approach was to bargain from this document. And if you add a right to a hundred-page document, you just have a longer document. You do not have a simple, uh, clear, collective bargaining agreement. So the two approaches were completely inconsistent. And the record is very clear that the union said there is a legal obligation for the company to provide a response we are stopping negotiations going to the labor board we want to get a ruling on that issue and when they went to the labor board the general counsel chose not to pursue that issue that is not the basis for the decision here and that's what caused this
2: negotiation to to fall apart right so the the unfair labor practice that the board found is a refusal to bargain over mandatory subjects of bargaining so i understand the possible exceptions of over time, in the other example you mentioned, but it seems to me one simple question is, did the company ever engage on or give a counter proposal on, for example, wages, retirement benefits, or health benefits?
1: Um, it did not your honor it, however, it did present several significant proposals, and the union chose not to make any counter proposals on those on those individual proposals. Um, and I would submit to you that that's a critical difference between the precedent that the board is relying on examine those earlier cases, In each case, there was a back and forth, a give and take. Um, the, the best example, frankly, is the patent trader case, where it was a new contract. The union came in with a standard area agreement. Um, when the employer objected to that they began negotiating over specific issues and there was back and forth there was a, a counter proposals from the union they moved off of their uh, master agreement. So,
0: mr are you is is your position also that um, the board's decision here is arbitrary and capricious and contrary to law
1: um, our position is that it's bad labor policy you right? Because it sets up a bad labor
0: policy yes. under the statute, or
1: yes, yes, that it's that it is. Um,
0: I mean, we're not here to enforce labor policy. We're here to enforce the law.
1: Right. I understand your Um but as we're evaluating the legal consequences of the board's decision. Fair to recognize that it puts in the hands of a single party the ability to demand a complete response on all issues early in the process. That is going to thwart the ability to um, and is reach that, agreement.
0: Is that is the legal problem with that? That it's inconsistent with board precedent. That it's inconsistent with the NLRA. What is the what is the the legal argument?
1: The, um, that it's inconsistent with the purpose of the statute, which is to um, support and encourage collective bargaining and the resolution of of disputes. Um, And this rule of law does not achieve that result. Um,
0: Is there a specific provision of the NLRA that that you believe the Board has, has violated here?
1: No, Your Honor, that's not the point that we're making. The underlying goal in this is to determine whether the parties have an intent to reach an agreement. And we submit that the company's approach was consistent with that uh, intent and that there's nothing outside of the bargaining or within the bargaining that would lead to the conclusion that they acted in bad. Um, And as we analyze the, the, the Impact of the board's decision on this overall goal of statute to achieve uh, labor peace. um, This decision takes us um, in a direction that's going to make it more difficult to um, achieve consensus, reach compromises, and avoid labor disputes. So we would ask that the um, court deny enforcement of the board's
2: work. Could I just ask one one last question? In reference to the impact of the pandemic, and I just want to make sure I understand the argument because to the extent the question is, if we thought there was otherwise evidence that the company did not engage on economic subjects, I of course understand the pandemic created a lot of uncertainty, but maybe that would just create good conditions for the employer to insist on very lean economic proposals. Is your argument that somehow the pandemic justified Postponing discussion of those subjects entirely? And, and why would that be?
1: Um, that's not our argument. Okay. There are two elements that I think are relevant from the pandemic. The first is there was a great deal of upheaval in the industry and at this employer. Um, at the start of this um, process, there were 30 employees in the bargaining unit. By the time they sat down to do the negotiations, it was down to eight. In the course of all that, there was no claim that the union supporters were adversely treated or treated unfairly. Um, and the second point is that the, this is a small hotel. It was a, a difficult, very difficult time for the hotel. And the negotiation process stalled, um, and, and not, um, not robust in the way that it would have been in a more normal economic environment. The management of the hotel was worried about keeping the hotel going, and these negotiations did not proceed far enough uh, to make the judgment that, that, that the board made here. I see. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Good morning, Your Honor. David Side, the Labor Board. Two initial points. First, the record amply supports the Board's finding that the company unlawfully refused to bargain over economic terms until non-economic terms were resolved. That evidence, which includes numerous statements made by the company during bargaining that are summarized at page 35 of the Board's brief, Repeatedly referenced the need to resolve non-economic
1: terms
0: first. Well, um, what about the fact that um, the board here doesn't seem to have taken into account the union's conduct? I mean, the union had its own particular bargaining position, which is that it wanted to start with the IWA. It wanted a counterproposal to that. Obviously, the hotel had a different bargaining position. So, I mean, if the board's responsibility is to take into account the totality of the circumstances... In the negotiations, um, isn't the failure to just to completely to to totally disregard what the union did, your honor, make the the decision not supported by substantial evidence?
3: Your honor, very simply, the board did not ignore what the union did. What the company has presented to this court is basically an alternative view of the facts, but it hasn't shown that the record compels this court to come to a different conclusion. And so, with respect to the argument made about the union's conduct. The board first very reasonably noted that the focus is on the company's conduct because it has a statutory obligation under the act to discuss terms such as wages of employment and of wages. And the board then, however, did very specifically consider the union's conduct at page 331 of the appendix part of the board's decision. The board looked at what the union did and it did recognize that, yes, initially the union did want the company to accept the IWA as it existed. But it then suggested, well, if you don't like the IWA as it's written, we can make as many changes as you want to, at least use it as a basis, so we're talking the same language.
0: But the the hotel rejected that bargaining position as well. They didn't want to start with the IWA. They wanted a much simpler, pared-down, shorter contract, which is – my understanding of that is well within its rights under the a- NLRA.
3: Absolutely, Your Honor. But then the union and the alternative said, okay, if you insist on starting with an entirely new contract, at least give a proposal on Holy Trinity of issues: the main terms and conditions.
0: Of well, the again, that was wages. a bargaining position. It's not. It wasn't that the hotel was then required to do what the union asked.
3: Your Honor, it's required under Section 8D of the Act to. Specifically discuss terms such as wages. And what it cannot do as it did here
0: is just But it say, didn't well, we'll have to present a counterproposal proposal as the union demanded.
3: Your Honor, but what it can like can't a full
0: do, counterproposal. Correct. It
3: didn't right. That's correct. And so the, the board did not find that the union that the that the employer violated the act by failing to submit a complete counter And so for example, and, and hesitant to make a hypothetical here. But could there have been a situation, one of the things that the company is trying to argue is that basically negotiation short-circuited. Had the company come back with a full-wage proposal, and the union still said, well, not good enough. We're not going to consider your full-wage proposal until you give us something else. Then could it arguably be a different case? Possibly. But that's not what happened here. The union repeatedly stated, look, accepting that you as a company want to start with an entirely new contract. We don't think we have to go that way, but if that's what you want to do, at least give us something and start with something like wages and benefits, really the elephant in the room. And the company's response was continually, even at the last bargaining session, the second to last bargaining session, non-economic first, and then eventually after we settle those, we'll get to economics.
0: Well, I mean, both sides were being intransigent to some extent. They both wanted to start from different bargaining positions, and the act specifically says that you know obviously the employer has an obligation under section 8d, but but such obligation does not compel either party to agree to a proposal or require the making of a concession.
3: Okay. Correct, Your Honor. It doesn't require a concession, but it does require to at least really discuss the term. Well, would it would it not have
0: been a concession to to start with a proposal? the way that the union
3: wanted? Your Honor, if parties agree to discuss non-economic terms first, they're welcome to. When the parties do not have such an agreement, it is unlawful for an employer to insist on resolving the non-economic terms until it will even make or discuss uh, economic proposals. And that's what the company did here. And just briefly touching on the pandemic, the company never argued to the board, and I think it acknowledged that argument this morning, that the pandemic in and of itself provided an excuse for not providing proposal on wages and benefits. And as the board did note, to the extent it is being relied upon, council made abundantly clear from the very first session that it simply bargained in the process of starting with non-economic of course it did not even to my knowledge even raise the pandemic initially and there's no question that while the pandemic had an effect in bargaining and it led to the hiatus i would simply note that the hiatus and the pandemic affected all the parties it affected the employees who had voted at this point for union representation several years earlier that have obvious concerns as to whether their wages might be frozen or cut it has an impact on the union because when bargaining does resume, the certification year has essentially ended. And at that point, if the employer has a belief that the employees no longer support the union, it has the ability to just simply walk away. So it affected, it affected everybody, not just not just the company. Can
0: you point to other board precedents where there's been such a short time of bargaining? I mean, here there was, everyone acknowledges, a seven-month or so, I think, hiatus, right? So the actual time of bargaining was a few months over, you know, a handful of sessions. And it seems to me that the precedents where, you know, there's some finding of bad faith, I mean, usually involve many more bargaining sessions, many more hours of bargaining, many more months of bargaining. I mean, here, you know, in some ways they had sort of just gotten started in a sense. And so so how is... How is the board's decision here consistent with its process?
3: It's consistent. So cases such as first student, there were, which is cited in the board's brief, there were about six bargaining sessions over eight months. Uh, Sunbelt rentals, there was a bargaining over about four months. But one of the things I would also point out here is that even in some of these cases where the board found a violation, what typically happens is a union will make an entire proposal as a union did here. At that point, the employer may take the position that it would prefer to discuss non-economic subjects first. There's no formal agreement that resolution has to be reached. And in response, the employer, even in some of these cases where eventually a violation was found, the employer comes back with a full counterproposal on non-economic matters. It accepts a lot of what the union proposed and makes some minor changes. So, so is the
0: board's position here that employers have to do this when presented? When the union says we want a full counter proposal, employers have to do that. I mean, is that the is that the bottom line of the board's decision? No. Again,
3: the, the board not.
0: Has, there are several uh, things you've said here in argument that suggest uh, this is the board's uh, position.
3: No, not which, yeah. which suggests yeah. that
0: Chairman Ring maybe have been right in his concerns about the majority's opinion.
3: No, not at all. That is not what the board's decision suggested, or that council's suggesting this. morning, Simply noting that here, the union repeatedly expressed to at least get a proposal or a discussion about wages and benefits, the kind of the elephant in the room, and that even in situations where employers have been found to eventually have violated the act by not providing or discussing an economic proposal, oftentimes the employers in those situations do a lot more than the company did here by making, at least on non-economic terms, a somewhat comprehensive proposal, which the company didn't even do here. That, that's all I'm suggesting, but it's not anyway, any way suggesting that the company was required to, at the first bargaining session or the second bargaining session, provide a full counter-proposal. The board is... That what is
0: about not, the third or fourth bargaining session?
3: No, or even the third or the fourth. It does, again, it's, it's a case-by-case basis as to at what point did a employer violate the act by failing to discuss economics and on the facts of this particular case when is it hits the fifth bargaining session and the union has been pleading for at minimum if you want to present your own offer your own contract at least give us something about wages and benefits and the company responds intending to negotiate over a subset of non-economic subjects then move on to another subset and ultimately move on to economics at that point where there was five sessions or 20 sessions or 30 sessions the board could very reasonably find that the company was refusing to negotiate over economic
2: subjects at a situation where it is impacting and preventing bargaining so does that be, i mean what if they had just said let's talk a little bit about the union's proposal on health benefits and had to some extent a discussion and express concerns about that. Would that be enough to yield a different outcome, and, and why?
3: Your Honor, again on a case-by-case basis. But if the if the employer had started to indicate a willingness to engage the union on the economic subjects, it very well could have a different result. But it made absolutely no attempt in this case, as it admittedly stated, uh, both uh, an argument this morning as well as. an court unless this court has any further questions the board would simply ask that the board in support of its order thank you your honor
1: I'll
0: give you two minutes on rebuttal
1: uh, thank you your honors
2: um
1: just briefly Counsel for the board referenced the Sunbelt case. There were significant, that, that was short bargain, but there were significant um, actions by the employer demonstrating an anti-union animus case that has uh, clearly distinguishes it from um, the present case. Uh, and I think we need to be clear uh, on the record as to what the union's position was. There is substantial evidence that it requested a complete response and it did not provide any counter proposals unless and until there was a complete response. Um, I respectfully submit that the council for the board misstated the union's position that it was only looking for a a um, response on wages or benefits um, that has no support in the record um, and we would uh, again renew our request to support uh, deny enforcement of this board order thank you very much thank you